Today's reading is from Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, from the, from the New International Version. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, I want to start by telling some good news here. Um, and if you're new with us, this is, this is really rare. This is really different. But... Uh, we're going to be doing something this morning we've never done at Renew. Uh, in fact, uh, my guess is that you've never heard of a church doing this, or you've at least never, never been to a church that has done this. But in a few minutes, we're actually going to be handing out several hundred dollars to you all. Uh, I'm not making this up. This is not a joke. So if there's a time to not slip out at the end of the teaching, um, this would be that, that time where you actually want to stay to the end, um, because we're going to do that. Uh, so let me, let me pray very quickly. Uh, Father, thanks for this passage that Bob just read. And uh, as we think about this, this topic, I pray that we would be people that uh, maybe if we've heard it before, that our eyes would be opened and our hands would be ready and our feet would be ready to be used to think differently about how we engage in the world in which we live. And so Lord, we receive whatever you have to share with us and me included in that prayer. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So uh, in, the, in the gathering uh, before Easter, we looked at the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, right? We saw that how they were giving out of their great generosity, even when they didn't have anything, they were still giving, right? And in the last gathering, we looked at, the, uh, at Easter, uh, the ripped curtain and the empty tomb, uh, the greatest gift of generosity, right? The great giver himself giving the great gift of eternal life and of hope that we can participate in this resurrection now. Um, and without it, we'd be people without hope. But this morning, we want to explore this story that Bob just read, um, that Jesus tells us it refers to as the parable of the talents. Uh, Bob read in the NIV the, the parable of the bags of gold, but it's also referred to as the parable of the talents. So anytime that we look at a parable, we need to really ask ourselves these three questions. Next slide. Now, first of all, what is a parable, right? What does this tell us about the king and his kingdom, and how shall we respond? And so, very briefly, what is a parable? This is what I do with Carter in the morning when we're reading and we get to a parable. I say, Carter, what is a parable? And we say it is a, a story that tells us about the king and his kingdom, right? Okay, so what then does this particular story tell us about the king and his kingdom, the rule and the reign of God? And then ultimately, how do we respond to this kind of king if this is the value of the kingdom and the value of the king? How do we live into that today as subjects in this same kingdom? And so we're going to look at that for a couple minutes, trying to answer uh, these three questions here. Uh, but right at the beginning, in verse 14, it says this. That Jesus says, It'll be like a man that goes on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, you know, we've been in this series on giving, and if you're new with us, it's kind of a, maybe a unique time to come in as we talk about giving. But it's very deeply connected to this, actually. And uh, everything that we do, we are not initiating anything. We're responding to this God who modeled giving to us in very radical and compassionate ways, which is why this is important. And so when Jesus tells the story, he says he calls his servants, the master calls his servants, and entrusted his property to them that Jesus wants his listeners to know right away from the beginning that they are not owners, they are servants. And we live in a culture that tells us you are owners. But Jesus says when we understand the king and the kingdom correctly, we understand we're not owners of anything. We are simply stewards of something that belongs to the king. What we have is not ours, it belongs to someone else. And of course, uh, they're entrusted with five bags of gold, two bags of gold, and one bag of gold. Uh, again, or talents, as some of our translations say. So what is a talent? What is a bag of gold? What is a talent? Well, first, it was a unit of weight of 75 pounds. So that's a lot of gold. <laughs> a bag of 75 pounds of gold, uh, that's, that's a, a big bag. And then it eventually referred to moving from weight to currency, right? So a bag of gold then became X amount of money. And it's actually a talent is about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. So that's a lot. <laughs> you multiply that, right? 40 years and then 100 years. There's a lot. And actually our, our word that we get in the English language today talent actually comes from this particular parable. That's where our English word comes from is what we read in this story. And anytime you read a passage, especially uh, in, in Scripture, we, we need to make sure that we remember to look for repeated words. Right? There's no italics. There was no bold. There was no underline. Um, there was no font that we could make larger. There was no emojis. There's no way that we could add emphasis uh, to this in the original language. And the way you added emphasis was repeated words repeated words. 
And so look at some of the repeated words that we see in this story. We see the word servants a lot and owners and masters. We see the word entrusted a lot, that the owner trusts us with his stuff as his servants. And then faithful, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. The faithfulness with other people's stuff is what we're after. And when we're good at being faithful with other people's things, that's called stewardship. So these are the words that we see on, ongoing and repeated in this passage. So the one that has five talents, of course, earns five more. And the one that has two talents uh, looks to work the money to make it two more. And the one that has one buries it in the ground. And why is it buried in the ground? Because the one who had one entrusted to him, which is still a lot of money, right? 20 years of a day laborer's wages. That's a lot. It says that he knew that the owner was a hard man and he was afraid, so he hid the money. In the upper room uh, this morning, uh, we were talking about this idea of, of hiding when we're afraid. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 3, right? They're in the garden and it was perfect and sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, then God calls out, where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, of course, God knew where Adam was, but Adam needed to acknowledge where he was. <laughs> and so in the midst of that, he said, I, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. What do you do when you're afraid? You hide. What do we do when we're afraid of our money? We hide it. Fear always drives us to hiding. And fear drives many of our giving decisions, doesn't it? We're afraid, and so we, we hide it, we bury it. Now, I, I want to I make sure we understand this. There are lots of inhibitors to generosity and giving. But the primary blocker of generosity is not greed. It's fear. The primary blocker of generosity in your life is probably not greed. Probably not greed. It's probably not greed, but it's fear. What if I don't have enough tomorrow? And so what do we do? We hide it. The master calls the servant wicked and lazy. He says, at least you could have put it in the bank. You know, you could have gotten 0.003% interest on it, like the banks today, right? You at least done something. But instead, you stuffed it under your mattress. And the one talent was taken away and given to the one who had five, who had earned five more. So he goes from five to now having 11. And the master says, throw him outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Which, by the way, was Jesus inferring hell. Yikes. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about this story, and I want to make sure I clear this up very quickly, because oftentimes this story has been told or has been understood incorrectly to believe this, that the one with one talent was punished because he had a small amount. Nope. Nope. That, that's not the point of the story. He was not punished because he had one. It had nothing to do with the amount and everything to do with the attitude and his perception of the master. That's what the master was upset about. Not the amount. He was upset with the attitude. 
But this story still brings up all sorts of questions for me, and maybe it brings up some questions for you as well, like why do you think Jesus started off the story positively with two good servants and then ended negatively? I mean, why didn't he flip it around? Why didn't he start with the bad but then say, oh, but there was one with two and five, and they did a great job? Why the order here? What is Jesus getting at? And how would the story be different if he flipped it and made it positive at the end? And doesn't Jesus' story feel a little bit harsh? I mean, it's not like the guy with the one talent, like, lost that one and came back and said, I don't have anything at all. I lost your one talent. Why so harsh? It's still there. So why is he so angry? And maybe most uncomfortably, if I was one of the servants in the story, what would I have done? And lastly, what am I doing now with what's been entrusted to me? So, so what do we learn about this? And, and I, I want to just get through these pretty quickly, and I want you to wrestle with them more in your house church this coming week. But that our attitude toward money doesn't matter about the amount, as I, as I said. It doesn't matter. And that shows us that what the king and what he values isn't necessarily the dollars and cents. It's our approach to the dollars and cents. It's our attitude. And second of all, that our attitude toward money is always revealed in what we do with it. Money's a tool, but it's also a test. It's a litmus test. Now, here's the deal. If you show me your bank account, your checkbook, and your credit card statements, chances are I will be able to tell you exactly your attitude about money. Same thing if I submitted my things to you. You would be able to tell me what I care about simply by looking at those. Because what I say and what I do with my money, what I value about my money will be what I do with my money. The third thing is when small responsibilities are handled well, it seems that the king really values giving us larger responsibilities. You did well with this small thing, I'm going to entrust you with more. The other thing is if we live in fear, we'll never be good stewards. Fear and good stewardship just don't go together. And then the last one, the master gets very angry with servants who don't handle well what's been entrusted to them. It sets him off. Now, anytime churches talk about finances and giving, again, it, it's always this quiet. It always gets this quiet. But anytime that the idea of giving comes up, in church, often the question is, well, what about tithing, right? What about the tithe? What do we do with that? And if you're new, you may be wondering, what, what is a tithe or what is tithing? I've heard it. Is that just giving? What does it mean? And what are the misconceptions? So very simply, tithing just simply means one-tenth or 10%. That's what tithe means. And we see in the Old Testament God commanding His people in the Old Testament to bring their tithe, the tenth of their overall income and possessions to bring to the Lord. And it wasn't just the last leftover 10%. He commanded it was the first, the very first, often called first fruits, right? Because if you were a farmer, you had first fruits and first vegetables, right? So the first 10% automatically belonged to the Lord. And we see stories of people tithing throughout the Old Testament. And by the way, maybe you've heard the phrase tithes and offerings. And sometimes people think those are synonymous. Those are different. A tithe is the first 10%. Offering is anything above and beyond 
10%. That's offering. So tithe, 10%, offering. Whatever you sense that the Lord is asking you to give. Above and beyond that 10%. Now, through the years, people ask me this question. And you probably know the question I'm about to ask. Tithing is just an Old Testament principle, right, JR? I mean, that's the Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant, right? It's about grace. It's about grace. That's old, st- old school, right? That was really legalistic stuff. And here's the thought. When I'm asked that question, I find it interesting that the only, the only, the only people that ask this question are people that don't give very much. I've never had someone that joyfully gives sacrificially above and beyond, well beyond 10%, because that was just Old Testament, right? It's only the people that don't do it. Why is that? I don't know, but I always find that interesting. But my response to the question is this. To the, my response to the question is tithing just an Old Testament principle. Uh, and I say, you're right. It is. It is an Old Testament principle. You are no longer bound to only give 10%. You can give way more than that. In fact, in the New Testament, there isn't a single time that Jesus speaks honorably about someone who only gives 10%. So no, you're right. It is Old Testament. You don't have to let that to be the ceiling. That's the floor in the New Testament. And there's even a record of someone who gives away 100% of all that they have to God's glory. And Jesus values them in the temple. And by the way, the Pharisees tithed, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. They were tithing their money and their stuff, even down to the little tiny things of mint and dill. And Jesus criticized them. So yes, tithing is an Old Testament principle. Living under the New Covenant, we can give more than 10%, just like everybody else that we see in the New Testament. Some of you are thinking, that's not the answer I was looking for, JR. But here's the thing. John Ortberg says this. This is a great quote. Next slide. He says, tithing is like training wheels when it comes to giving. It's intended to help us get started, but not recommended for the Tour de France. <laughs> right? We're never going to see a professional cyclist having training wheels. Why? Because it's silly. Two reasons. They know how to ride the bike. And second of all, it actually slows them down and makes it dangerous. They're well beyond that. So when we don't know how to ride a bike, we put it on. We don't know how to give. We start by putting the training wheels of tithing on to what we're doing. But when we say, ah, I get it down now. I I know exactly how to ride my bike in terms of giving. It's time to take them off. And when I take them off, I go faster. Some of you may think, well, Jared, giving 10%, I mean, that's even more than that to God's purposes. That seems a bit radical. Yeah, that's the point. Aren't you so glad that God didn't tithe his love to you? Didn't say, I I love you, but you know what? I'm kind of afraid of what you're going to do with my love, and so I'm just going to give you only 10%. He gives radically to us. He's not holding back with us. You know, about six years ago here uh, at Renew, we were actually meeting at Margines at the time, which is no longer Margines, but when we were meeting over there, there was uh, a a house church that had been meeting in East Norton. And uh, they were made up of, uh, it were mostly Korean Americans. And they were actually exploring and discerning with us whether their house church should join in with Renew. 
They needed some sort of larger covering. They said, we're doing this, and we want to join in. And it was about eight couples or eight families, most of them Korean-American. And we, so we explored and journeyed together through a season of whether they should join. So I visited them on a house church morning and, and, and spent some time with them just to watch and observe and hang out together. And I turned to the leader of the house church, and I said, so what do you do during the week? What's your employment? He said, no, I'm the full-time pastor here. And I said, no, no, how, like how do you make your income? And he said, I'm the pastor here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the math. I'm going, this, you know, you got eight families, eight couples, and they look, no one looks like a millionaire here, and how's this work? And so I, I, I lean in a little bit more. I said, so how do you pay the bills of being a house church pastor, shepherd here? And they looked at each other very awkwardly, and I remember the woman sitting next to me looked at me kind of with a puzzled look, and she said, we tithe. Right. She said, when all of us tithe, we have salary for a pastor. Now, some of the house church shepherds in the room have a big grin on your face, so don't get any ideas here. But that story stuck with me. When we take tithing seriously, it's amazing what God can do and what He can use, even with a small group of people. So here's the truth when it comes to giving. There are four types of givers. I want to explain this to you. Next slide. This is where it really clicked for me, this, um, this idea. And we grasp this, we grasp this idea of God's heart for giving and what this looks like, okay? There are four types, all sorts of people, four types of givers. The first one is the self-absorbed owner, where we say, this is all mine, I belong, this, this belongs to me, and I have full authority over my stuff. Don't you dare tell me what to do with my money, right? That's the first kind of giver. The second kind of giver is the obligated owner, 100% is mine. I have full authority over my stuff, but I feel obligated to give something. The American Red Cross, you know, they, they do a good thing. The, the, the Heart uh, Association, they do a good thing. So I, you know, kind of give them this or that. Or I'm a part of this. I'll give some dues a little bit. And so I, I just feel obligated. I don't, I don't love to do it, but I just feel, man, I feel a little guilty. And so I just feel like I have to do it. It'd look bad if I didn't. That's the obligated owner. But then there are the, there's the obedient owner that says, Okay, God talks about the tithe. Okay, 10% is his. I want to put the training wheels on. And so I'll obey what God says, and I should, but I'll still do things with what I want to do with my stuff. So 90% of what I have belongs to me and 10% belongs to God. But it's this last one that is the vision of God's heart, the king and his kingdom. is to say a love-inspired steward has said, everything I have doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God, and therefore I have given God total authority over his stuff. Because it's his, not mine. Here's the thing. Most of us know that the first and second aren't as Christians. That, you know, other people do that. Well, I'm not, I'm not, at least I'm not them. The problem is that this right here is what the Pharisees did. And Jesus blasts them. This is a little bit scary. Because God's heart is saying, I want kingdom subjects to be blue but I don't want green. I don't want green. And it's at this point that we have to ask the ultimate question that will reveal our attitude. Because where we end up in this comes down to this one question. Am I an owner of my stuff or am I a steward? Because if we're an owner of our things, we'll never be blue. I'm a 
get close to thinking I'm where I need to be, but I'll never be where God wants me to be. But if I'm a steward, then I'm actually believing the king and his kingdom, and I don't have to live in fear. I live in love. Right? There's only two, two ways to live, love or fear. So we can love the king with his things, or we can live in fear, assuming it's ours. And how that's expressed. You see, our goal at Renew is not to raise funds, it's to raise givers. And the way we raise givers is to raise lovers. And when you love something or someone, you have no problem giving to them, whether it's a relationship, a child, a dog, your health, entertainment, if you love it, you're going to give to it. You don't have to question it. You don't have to ask about it. And the kids are going to come in here in a second because they're going to join us in in this experiment that we're going to do in just a minute. But you know, there's a, there's a neighbor boy uh, in our neighborhood, and he rides his bike, and, and uh, Bennett, I remember at the age of three, Bennett was riding without training wheels. <laughs> um, and I just love seeing this little three-year-old on this little tiny bike with no training wheels, but the neighbor kid was eight, and he still had training wheels on. So, and I asked him, I said, you know, we, you can take the training wheels off like, like all the other kids in the neighborhood, even those that are a little younger than you is what I was thinking. And I said, tell me why you haven't. He said, I'm just afraid I'm going to fall. I'm afraid. And he said, oh, you know, I'll help you. I'll help take those off and, and get you going. And he said, no, 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 no. And I think some of us may be in that spot right now. <laughs> I'm saying, I, I, I want to be like all the other neighbors who are enjoying the freedom of biking around. But, but I'm, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of falling. I'm afraid that if I give, then next week I'm going to need that money back. And what's going to happen then? See, when we trust God and we live in the blue circle, we experience great joy because of our love, not our fear, in taking the training wheels off. That's why it's so important for us to know how much we're loved, how much we're radically loved, because giving in a blue circle only makes sense around this table. Because if it's not rooted here, you should be afraid of giving your money away. But if this is true, then fear is replaced by love. And we grow as givers by growing first as lovers. So you've heard us say that at Renew we strive to be pipes and not buckets. Now the thing about pipes is Pipes understand that they don't own the water that's running through them. They don't. Their job is to simply take the water that's come into their pipe and turn around and push it out to somewhere else. But a bucket has a little bit of an entitlement spirit to it, right? This bucket, the water's flowed in, it's mine, it's mine. And when we understand that love, that blue circle, we punch the hole in the bottom of the bucket and say this water wasn't mine to begin with my job is to turn and move this water to where it needs to be so i mentioned at the beginning of the teaching that we're going to be giving away some money to you all and the kids i don't know if you know much about this i'm guessing by the look on your face carter you have no idea what i'm talking about so the reason why you kids were involved involved to come back in here is this we're going to be giving away money 
or we've got $400 that we're going to give away to you all, okay? You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. And here's what we're going to do. It's Fifth Sunday, and we like to do things a little bit differently on Fifth Sunday, right? So instead of just talking about living as love-inspired stewards, we're going to do it. We're actually going to do it. We're going to act on it, which is kind of the point of teaching in church, that we don't just hear it and leave, that we hear it and do. So we're going to do that. So here's the deal. Let me explain in a moment what we're going to do. We're going to have 13 volunteers that we need, and we're asking you to come up to be a volunteer in just a moment, and we're going to need four kids, and we're going to need nine adults, okay? Four kids and nine adults. So let me explain what's going to happen. Again, in these envelopes here, I've got $400 in different denominations, okay? I've got $5 bills. I've got $20 bills. I've got $50 bills, and there's even a $100 bill in one of these envelopes, okay? <laughs> calm down, Carter, calm down. <laughs> so it's really cool because some people in our church have contributed uh, and wanted to donate to this experiment, which is really fun because they want to see something cool happen if we begin to act like blue circle people, okay? So we've, we've got all this money, and these donors are really excited uh, about this. So different denominations that are in there, and, and we're going to invite up 13 volunteers in just a second, but here's the deal. Let me explain the rules here. This money, if you choose to be a volunteer, this money isn't yours. Some of you are like, oh, man, I'm out. <laughs> but it's, but here's, what, here's what you do. If you choose to accept this with these envelopes, here's what we're going to ask you to do. That you pray about how to use this money. Number two, that you bless others in the name of Jesus with this money. If it doesn't go to you, you're going to be a pipe. So it could be a person, a group, an individual. It could be an organization. But you're going to do something with it, and it's not going to stay with you. And the other thing that we ask is that before you give it away, whatever amount is in here, 5 20 50 or $100, whatever it is, that you add some money to that. Whatever you want. That's between you and God. That's between you and your family and God. Whatever's in here, you just add something to it. You pray about it, you add to it, and you give that original money and your money with it away. You just add something to it. I don't care how much. I don't need to know how much. You just add to it. And lastly, a month from now, so not the next gathering, but in two gatherings, we're just asking, did you come up here during story time and you just tell us what you did with it? That's it. All right, so if you say, wow, all right, I want to be one of those. I need four children and I need nine adults. Just come up, just nine adults and four kids. All right, all right, here we go. I don't need some more volunteers, seriously. I have some extra envelopes here. All right, great. I got five more. Can't believe we're timid on giving money away. Thank you. I got one more. Okay, yeah, Katina, thank you. All right, and you guys can just line up up here just for a second, all right? And I put some instructions in there just to kind of go over this so you, you kind of know. But again, I, yeah, you can check if you want. You can check if you want. But again, I'm just going to ask that you would pray that you would remember this isn't yours and that you think about who could be blessed in the next month. You can do whatever you want with it. You just pray, Lord, how do I do this? How do I give this away? 
where I can bless someone or a group of people. It could be someone at school. It can be a mission agency. It can be, I don't know, Lord, just show me who it is. And I'm just going to trust you. You're going to make that known. And that you'd add some money to that. Again, I don't care how much. You just add something to that. And you give it away. And then in a month, you can come back up here very briefly. Doesn't have to be a long story. And you just tell us what you did with it. Because I believe that God's going to use this money as a way of blessing. And then we're going to be able to go, no, that was fun. I think God's going to use this in a way that will surprise us. I really do. That we're going to be surprised and go, really? We had $400 to start. But look at the stories that are popping up. I'm just excited. I'm excited to hear what those are. So would you all just pray with me uh, as we pray for this money? And if, you, if you've got an envelope, I'm just going to ask that you hold it out in front of you. Okay? Hold it out in front of you as we pray. Lord, um, this is kind of fun. I'm giddy. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen here, God. That we get a chance to be the one with two talents and five talents, hopefully. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with these 13 volunteers, that they would not be filled with fear and go and hide it under their mattress and not do anything with it and just come back in a month and return it. And say, I was afraid, so here you go. May that not be the story. Instead, may there be great joy as we give, as we give this away and just wait to hear back, to hear these stories of how you're using this. And may that inspire us more to be able to say, I'm ready to take the training wheels off and begin to ride with great joy and freedom. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. So before you sit down, what are you feeling? I'm just curious. Yeah. Kylie. Happy? All right. All right. Excited? Okay. How about any of the adults? Oh, yeah, Savannah. You second excited. Great. Yeah, great. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody nervous? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Let's see what happens to it, you know? That's great. So thanks for being our courageous volunteers. Let's give them a hand as they return to their seat. So, so the, the encouragement here is this. Let's just see what happens. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get to make a guarantee. I absolutely know this as a fact. In a month, we won't say, man, I regret that we gave away $400. I absolutely could write my name on it to be able to say none of us would say that. So I'm just giddy. And here's the cool thing. You didn't get an envelope, you still have that opportunity. That's the point of being blue circle people. So may we be blue circle people as we join in with this God out of great love. Not out of fear, but out of love. So let's be the kind of people that remember. Just hit me. I love that this is a black circle. <laughs> we can only be blue circle people because we're people around a black circle of this round table. So let's pray. God, thanks for the black circle that informs us to be blue circles. 
And when we don't understand the black circle, then we are other colored circles. But we want to be the kinds of people that take the training wheels off and feel the joy of riding the bike of giving because it's not out of duty or obligation. It's out of great joy and freedom. Or we know the evil one wants to convince us that it's drudgery, it's monotony, it's minority, it's necessity, and it's none of those things. It's kingdom activity. And help us to experience the joy of that. So that the world says exactly what Katina said. When we give money away, God, that the world goes, what? And we get to tell them about how great Jesus is because the tomb is empty. May we be resurrection people in the way in which we live, by the way in which we give. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.